Well, Julia, I don't know about you, but when I look at the final score for a game like today, a 4-2 loss to the Orioles to sew up a series loss in Baltimore. Jay is now 7-17 and against the AL East this season. Scoring more than three runs seems like just a Herculean task these days. Like, on one hand, yes, other teams have good starters and they have good relievers and you're not going to beat them all, all the time. But on the other hand, should this team not... And I just, I struggle with, I struggle with this question because baseball, there's so much variance in day-to-day in baseball, but at the same time, should this team just simply not be better offensively? Like, it just feels like whenever the Blue Jays score... They have to either get it from unlikely places or have to scratch and claw for any kind of offensive production. Like today, Owen six with runners in scoring position, that issue rearing its ugly head. And it doesn't seem like an issue that is on the cusp of going away anytime soon. Like I'm not, I'm not really sure what the solution is. Yeah, this is a, this is a fascinating discussion show. And it's one that I think we also had in portions of last season. This seems to be too good of a team offensively, or it should be uh, for everyone to be slumping at the same time. I, I understand that the game of baseball is filled with ebbs and flows. That is part of it, especially on the off- offensive side. But what we are seeing is a lot of these big bats just unable to come through all at once. And Danny Jansen cannot do everything uh, on his own. But when you have your starter, you know, going four and two thirds, maybe Yusei Kikuchi could have gone a a little bit further in the game. I'm sure we're going to talk about that very soon. But when you have your starter handing in, you know, uh, just, just two runs allowed here and really keeping a good offensive team in the Orioles at bay for the most part, the offense needs to step up and do its job. And that's just not what we saw today. And it's not what we have seen all that consistently over the past few weeks, uh, especially when it comes to uh, games within the division for the Blue Jays. That's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jays Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We are on sportsnet.ca as well. The phone lines are open 416 870 0590 1 star 590 on your cellular device. 590 is the people's text line. Name and location, please. The people's text line is always open. A quick reminder that Blair and Parker are off until next Tuesday of Jays Talk. Julia and I have Jays Talk in the interim today and again on Saturday. All the other games uh, until next Tuesday, I will be doing solo, including tomorrow night. But, uh, Julia, as we discuss the offense here, and we will get to Kikuchi. We'll get to Nate Pearson and Jimmy Garcia and all the the pitching uh, angles of this game, certainly, as well. But you mentioned the big bats, and it, it, it's I've said this a couple times during this series against the Orioles, that when you look in stark contrast to what the Orioles have been doing, Today, runs were scored from the Orioles. There were four runs scored. They were scored via Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Anthony Santander, and Austin Hayes. So Ryan Mountcastle's on the IL, so you kind of put him aside for now. But uh, and, and I would say, and Blake mentioned it in the wrap-up there, that Austin Hayes is having a career year. But even if you put him aside for now, Santander, Rutschman, and Henderson are three of the Orioles, if not their top three best players. And Cedric Mullins didn't play today, obviously. And um, we mentioned Mountcastle as well, but they did have their best bats come through. And today we didn't really get or see a lot of 
George Springer. We didn't see a lot of Bo Bichette. We saw perhaps some life from Vladdy late, but those rockets of singles, those blistered balls came with either no one on base or a person on first, for example. And, and it was a, basically a, a station to station single for uh, Dalton Varsho before him, but no runs came of it, right? It's just Matt Chapman continued to struggle and took a couple of pitches that he he didn't lift the bat off his shoulder and, and, and was sent back to the dugout. So the biggest bats in the lineup did not come through. And like you said, I mean, it, I thought it was great that Danny Jansen hit two rockets today. Like that, that is absolutely phenomenal. I'm glad that his first hit coming off the IL was a home run. That's great. And he hit a very, another home run and then got on board for a third time shortly after that. Wonderful. But he is also not one of the key bats. And we talk about it a lot, but this team goes like basically every team goes as the best bats go and the best bats were very quiet today. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's really telling to look at the, the box score here. And for the Orioles, you know, Austin Hayes, Rutschman, Santander and Henderson top four, we got multi-hit games from Hayes, Rutschman and Santander. Rutschman had three hits today and we got RBIs from all four of the top four guys. Very, very different story for the Blue Jays. I agree with you. It's uh, it's it's good to see Vladdy getting on base and, and working those rocket singles, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is meant for more than this, right? And I also understand, again, that there are ebbs and flows to a season, and there's certainly moments in which these guys are going to struggle more. But what we're seeing right now from Vladdy specifically is perhaps the need of another adjustment. I don't know necessarily how that can come or, or, you know, in in what way the Blue Jays will go about that. If this is something that's mechanical, if this is something that is more mental or if it's just some fatigue settling in, you know, it it may very well be that the Blue Jays recently completed a stretch in which they played 30 games in 31 days. That is very tiring. No doubt about it. There is a lot that goes into this. But the Blue Jays need more from a guy like like Guerrero. The Blue Jays need more uh, from a guy like Springer. And Bichette keeps getting on base. He keeps getting his hits. That's phenomenal. If you can't get guys in scoring position, and then when you get them there, you can't do anything with them, that is not a recipe for success. And, and again, show I think that this is a, a conversation that is very similar to one that we had last year at around this time. Right. The Blue Jays did eventually figure it out. It is a long season, and that is why it is a long season. But right now, it, 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 doesn't, uh, it doesn't necessarily look good. The good news is that they're going to Texas. There is another chance to you know get a clean slate and maybe go back to the identity that made this lineup so good at the beginning of the year. They have it in them. It's just about finding it again. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about Vladdy because the ABs early in the game were not super promising and I think a lot of people are tired of hearing oh well, you know what, the peripherals, the underlying peripherals. If you look I've said those two words uh, next to one another like a million times so far this year. And I, I'm i even getting kind of tired of saying it. But again, we, we kind of saw to a certain exa- a certain degree an example of it, right? We saw him hit 116 mile an hour single to left field in the sixth and then 112 mile an hour single again to left in the eighth. I almost feel like he hit the ball too hard in the eighth because the the left fielder came up. It, like, the ball got to the left fielder so quickly. Varsho almost didn't have time to round second to get to third. And he's a very good base runner. Uh, it's a, again, I suppose it's another example of the quote unquote underlying peripherals, but a, it would be nice for these blistered balls to come with some runners in scoring position. Just 
for a nice change of pace, I will say. But again, on, on Vladdy in general, I don't think we need to once again discuss that it is one of the, the worst stretches of his relatively accomplished career for someone who is this young and had this high of expectations on it. But I did want to get to this topic with you. Like, I see a lot of people texting about Vladdy, right? Like, I see one here. Uh, Jared, at, at what point do we question the hitting coach's approach to Vladdy? Maybe it's time to just let Vladdy be Vladdy. See ball, hit ball. That's a, a Barkerism. Uh, too much info, too many tweaks. Uh, Paul from Burlington, what is the rationale behind bla- batting Vlad fourth? Uh, you know, there's a couple other ones as well um, that we'll get to as we continue. Oh, yeah, here, Pedro and Mimico bat Vlad sixth. Jano cleanup wit in the three spot. I do want to chat about Whit Merrifield because he's been, he's been playing exceptionally well. And maybe there is a conversation to have about moving him up perhaps a little bit, but he did bat fifth today. But just as an aside for Vladimir Guerrero jr. I wanted to get to this topic with you because I've had this conversation with Ben Shulman and Blair and Barker discussed this often about the idea as to whether or not Vladdy is elite and I think it does sort of depend on what your personal definition of the word elite is. And right. I, I think for me, it revolves around to a certain degree. It does revolve around looking at some of the other guys who are quote unquote elite, right? Like whether it is maybe more of his contemporaries and less of the judges and Shohei's and trouts because they're a little older, but the guys who are in the same age range as Vladdy, like the Julio Rodriguez's and the Tatis's and the Acuna's and so on. But I, I wonder where you fall on the is Vladdy elite or is he merely quote unquote, merely a very, very good player. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fascinating discussion. I think that you and I have had similar conversations when it comes to what constitutes an ACE right on the other side of the ball and, and, and how exactly you can quantify something like that. It does depend on your definition of the word. I think that there are aspects of Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s game that are and will always be elite. Uh, Take that second single, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Both of them were absolutely smoked off the bat. That second single was a slider that was way down out of the zone at the knees. Difficult to do anything with with that pitch. And he goes ahead and he drives it with that strength to the opposite field. So there's, there's something to be said, or sorry, he pulled that ball. So there's something to be said about just his ability to actually make contact, make good contact and see the ball, no matter where it is. The bat to ball skills are absolutely there. And, and, and that will always be a leech because it's just naturally who he is as a hitter. He also has a ton of power. He has a ton of strength uh, in the batter's box. That is clear. What he needs to figure out to go from there are flashes of eliteness or if there are flashes of greatness and to actually becoming an elite player is figuring out how to actually get those balls to go up in the air. That is something that is now maybe a a year and a half old discussion for us. We're still trying to, to figure that out. Vladdy is not simply working, you know, with the Blue Jays hitting coaches. We know that he has a very close relationship with his uncle as well, who gives him pointers and gives him advice and and works together with Vlad to try to figure that out. In addition to Guillermo Martinez and the rest of the Blue Jays coaching staff, there are very smart baseball minds working to try to figure this out. It may take longer. And I, I, I understand that Blue Jays fans don't necessarily want to hear that. It, it's it's really not an exact science here. 
And what we need to see from Vladdy, I believe, is just the the renewed commitment to keep working on that and to try to find a way out of this uh, hard hit single tendency that he has uh, batted himself into. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device five ninety five ninety is the people's text line name and location please we'll go back to the text in a sec but let's go to the phones and joining us first John from Kitchener joining us on Jay's Talk John what's up what's on your mind I see you want to discuss this uh, sluggish offense tell me how we improve it yeah to be honest with you uh, I've I've been watching the Jays for a long time and I've never seen the offense this poor, this unable to, uh, to uh, get a hit with runners in scoring position. The main issue I think we're dealing, and you guys just touched it now, is that I wouldn't say Vladdy is elite. I wouldn't even say he's very good. I think he's just an adequate hitter, and that's gonna be, he's going to be a guy who hits you 260 to 270, 20, 25 homers, maybe 60 to 75 RBIs. I'd be shocked unless something really changes. He gets at least 25 home runs this year. But the bigger concern is not just with Vladdy, it's with the other guys that are achieving. Like, what happened to Matt Chapman? The guy was like Babe Ruth at the beginning of the year, and then he's just fallen off a cliff. Not even just stumbled. He's totally just become a shell of himself. And the bottom line is the guys we have in our three, four, and five spots, our big run producers, are all underachieving. And we can throw Springer in that mix too, though he's been getting a little bit better. So my point here is, when is enough is enough and we're going to make a deal, maybe make a, a controversial trade, get Chapman out of here and get some run producers in the lineup so that we can finally start scoring some runs to take advantage of the good pitching we've had. Uh, I'll, I'll hear from you guys. I'll hang up now and, and hear what you guys have to say. Thanks a lot. Hey, John, thanks for joining us on JSTOC. Appreciate the call. And you know what? John is not alone, Julia. I see a, a lot of texts on the text line about Matt Chapman because he, he's right. Like you can only hang so much of it on Vladdy. And I think he gets like the, the focal, he's the focal point of the ire for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm I definitely include myself in that because of the expectations that uh, we all set for him. He set for himself, just like the, the generational hype around a prospect that was so, so well regarded, you know, the best guy since like Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or whatever. Right. But it is true that he's only one guy out of nine by and large, even though we haven't seen it today, but by and large, Bo Bichette has held up his end of the bargain the entire season. He's going to be the starting shortstop in the American league for at the all-star game, for right? Sure. Like that's, I don't even, I, I feel like I don't talk a lot about Bo these days because even when the blue Jays lose, he's doing, he's still getting on base and he's playing pretty well. So I, I have nothing really to say negatively about Bo Bichette, but beyond Bo and, and like John mentioned, George Springer is starting. It seems to turn it around. But when you look at some of these other guys, it's funny that John said he looked like Babe Ruth. I think we all did know to a certain extent that Chapman, what he was doing when he won the player of the month for March slash April, that it was unsustainable. He was not going to hit like Ted Williams for the rest of his career, as much as that would be a lot of fun. Having said that, I also don't think the complete opposite was necessarily expected as well. He has been legitimately one of the worst qualified hitters in maybe the entirety of baseball, certainly the American League, since the effectively the beginning of May, since he got that award. And I'm not sure what the difference is. Like Barker has talked about a little bit how he changes his swing and he changes some of the, the mechanics at the plate a little bit as well. Maybe that does have something to do with it, but good heavens. Like Matt Chapman, especially for someone who bats relatively high in the lineup, Julia, it's it's not been pretty. I'll uh, have his stats open here oh. for the past 30 games. I'm not sure I want to hear it, but... 
Go ahead. <laughs> his batting average is at 193 over the past 30 games. He's slugging 351 with 34 strikeouts. I understand that Matt Chapman is a streaky hitter, but this is difficult to explain because, yes, he's a streaky hitter, but this is also one of the best hitting third baseman in the game. And what is happening right now, it, it, I believe it goes beyond maybe fatigue or just uh, numbers evening themselves out. Yeah. There is something there that is not working for him right now. And, and these numbers show it. Uh, I didn't know that it was this bad, honestly, when I opened it up to check it out. It, but it's really telling. And, and what you can see maybe a little bit from Matt Chapman is that he might be starting to force the issue a little bit. So if there is a runner in scoring position and he's at 0-2, he's going to go for that extra hack in, in trying to make something happen. And that is when the strikeout rate goes up, right? That is when he loses himself a little bit. Uh, the idea of, you know, going to the opposite field, which was something that he was doing so, so well to start the year, uh, that has disappeared a little bit. He has lost his timing in a way with the swing and that's when rather than or instead of hitting a single and, and settling for that, if you're going to take the big hack and you're trying to, to, to use that to sort of get out of a slump here, that's when things have a tendency of getting even worse. So maybe that's a little bit of what we're seeing from Chapman. We have seen some frustration from him as well. It's um, it's it's unfortunate, but it's not sustainable either. Right. It, just like we knew that his start to the year was a little bit too good to be true. This seems a bit too bad to be true. And, and, and things do have a tendency of working themselves out. In the meantime, what can the Blue Jays do? Can they rejig this lineup? Can they try something new for those top spots? Trying to, to, to get a guy that is maybe having a little bit more success and actually driving the ball and seeing if that helps with the runners in scoring position issue. This is the time to tinker and to experiment. It's June. This is the time to sort of find what works and what doesn't. And what works right now, show, it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to work in, in September or October, right? We know that. Yeah. But something needs to get done here so that the Blue Jays can get out of this funk. And, and rejigging the lineup, trying something new, seems to be like a relatively low-risk uh, situation for John Schneider. Well, let me ask you this, because... You're right in that they have some, something has got to give, right? Like they can't keep, well, you know what they say? The definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting something different. They can't, they can't keep trying the same thing with the batting order. And I see, uh, and I, I think I, I have been generally speaking, someone who thinks the batting order, like if you're talking about someone batting third or fourth, you know, you're, and you swap those guys, or you're talking about someone batting seventh or eighth i'm not i personally am not sure that makes the hugest of differences but when you are dropping someone from third to sixth let's say perhaps that does change to a certain degree and like there was a te- there was a text here from tyler in ottawa uh wit has been an on-base machine with speed all month long why can't we switch his five spot with springer's leadoff spot springer's power would work just fine following vladdy and, you know, I, I kind of wonder if there is some merit to, and again, I'm not necessarily advocating for moving George Springer out of the leadoff spot because I do think he is still ultimately going to be the more, cons- the most consistent guy atop the lineup. But 
it, it just it feels as though right now, with the way everyone's been playing, the way the power bats have been playing, with the exception, exception of Bo Bichette, it really does feel like you have a lineup full of guys who should be batting between five and nine, and not a lot of other, not a lot of guys who can consistently get results when they're batting one to four. Even though that's that's not what they historically have been. Like the, on the Matt Chapman thing, I remember when he won Player of the Month, and he was talking to the media, and someone said, "Hey, like, what's the big difference between last year and this year?" And he said, "Oh, well, you know what? Last year I was still recovering to a certain degree from the surgery that he had in the off season prior to joining the Blue Jays, and there are all these things." And you're kind of like, "Okay, great, that's behind him now." Well, I mean, <laughs> that's not something you can. That's not an ex- excuse, for lack of a better word, that you can really lean on as to why the production is not coming. It's just it's it's a terrible time for everything to be lost at the plate for all of Vladdy and. Uh, certainly Matt Chapman and, you know, some of the, you know, some of these other guys as well, Varsho and Kirk and Springer are starting to come around, which is good. Biggio. I I think he did hit a home run by the way today. I think he did. That was so close, right? But he's been playing better too, right? So that that is good, but you still need the guys like Vladdy and Chapman to really be the heart of this order right now. Yeah. Listen, when the Blue Jays preach team unity, this is not what they mean. And so (laughs) the Blue Jays, uh, are very much in a, in a slump right now, especially at the top of the lineup, but this is too talented a lineup not to figure it out. That said, I I will reiterate that this might be a good time to try something new. John Schneider did so with Brandon belt. He, um, I believe belt was hitting third on the night when he got hurt Mm -hmm, actually. Uh, and, uh, Vladdy moved to the cleanup spot. Number four spot. Sure. It's, you know, it's a, it's not necessarily a drastic move, but Belt had been hitting mostly at the bottom of the lineup and he gets moved up to third. And, and Schneider said on the day, listen, we have to recognize what Brandon is doing right now. He has been a force for us. This is why he has achieved the, the, the number three spot. And that's great. He's got to do a little bit more of that, in my opinion. Um, yes, Brandon Belt was was hitting phenomenally. It's very, very unfortunate that he ended up on the IL, but there are some other guys that are showing promise here that can help the Blue Jays a little bit more than they're giving the chance to right now. This is most certainly show the time to do it. 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Justin joining us from London. Justin, welcome to Jay's Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing? Good. How's it going, man? Good, thanks. I got a vent here a little bit. I've been Please, trying to go get ahead. out for about a month. Um, anyway, I'm just curious uh, how there's no heat on Ross Atkins for the team he's put together. If you look at the other GM of City Palace, his seven year here. Okay, we're going to have to let you go, Justin. I'm so, uh, I, I, was, I was primed, Julia, for a Justin rant, but uh, his, his phone let him down. I know. That's... <laughs> That's, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's, that's, un, that's unfortunate. It is. If you if you want to call back, we'll get you on in the next couple of days, Justin. But uh, but okay. His his point in the first three seconds, yeah, I think was well taken. Why yes. isn't there heat on Ross Atkins? Yes, right. And I think that is a valid question because yes. here's the thing. I, I said this on Tuesday when they got blown out by the Orioles on Tuesday night. But you've already made a manager change. You've already made the John Schneider change. Right on. And I, I do believe, even though John Schneider has instilled in this ball club 
a more aggressive uh, approach. You see them more aggressive on the base paths. I'm sure the bigger bases have a teensy bit to do with that as well, because most teams in Major League Baseball are stealing more bases this year. But you've ha- you've just seen them be more aggressive. It doesn't always work out. Today, when Merrifield got caught for another uh, mm-hmm. er- error on the base paths, let's call it, like he did yesterday as well, unfortunately. But and and obviously that things like that do make a difference in a game you lose by only two runs, but. At the same time, you've already made the manager change, and I mentioned those things that Schneider has instilled in this club because ultimately I do think a lot of the decision-making process is, maybe a chunk of it at least, is out of the hands of John Schneider. Like Similarly, as it likely was for Charlie Montoyo, the, the high-performance department, and I'm sure Ross Atkins have says in like what happens in certain situations, which is why I don't always get on Schneider for like, pitching change decisions or pinch hit decisions or pinch runner decisions, for example, because I'm not entirely certain it's only him making that decision. Uh, So you've already made the, you've already made the change. And to Justin's point, then like logically, if, if there is another change from the, from a, an administration standpoint to be made, logically the next change would be the general manager as, as it is with most sports. And I can't imagine it's all, it's a, it's a, completely cold seat given that click is sitting right back there. And it's a guy who has had at least a part in building an Astros. And I'm I'm not afraid to say a dynasty, even if you take out the cheating scandal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, maybe bringing in a guy like click is, is the start of, of understanding that, you know, another voice is needed and not necessarily as a replacement, but maybe just as an addition, Right. Right. Uh, another baseball voice in mind in this organization, trying to make things a little bit more sustainable and a little bit more consistent for a team that is really vying for a championship here. Uh, the The roster construction is, is it's always going to be a complex conversation, but you and I touched on this yesterday's show. Uh, John Schneider had to give up the DH position so that he could have a, a first baseman and still keep Whit Merrifield in the in the game at second base. So it, this team needs to have a surplus of maybe second baseman right now. Uh, as Brandon Belt hits the IL, first base looks a little thin on depth. The same goes, of course, for the starting rotation. We are seeing, uh, you know, how complicated things got after the Blue Jays lost Alec Manoa here. Uh, at least for temporarily, of course, he is coming back. But there, there are more fascinating decisions than usual because there is no no true depth necessarily. There's some depth, but it's not uh, quite major league ready, or it's not quite where it needs to be in terms of production. So these are conversations that are going to come more to the forefront here as we see, you know, uh, the odd IL stint for Danny Jansen or for belt or Manoa being optioned down and, and trying to work things out. Okay. Where are the blue Jays tapping into to find that depth that allows them to stay consistent? Is it on the farm system? It doesn't necessarily seem to be uh, Spencer Horwitz is not here yet, nor is Addison Barger, nor is of course, Ricky Tiedemann is hurt. And we, and we know that or Yosfer Zulueta. These are guys that are not necessarily ready yet. And that creates a void. And then triple A doesn't seem to be necessarily a, a, a pool for the Blue Jays to to find adequate replacements for for whenever, whenever or whoever they need to replace. Yeah. So, you know, that, that is a fascinating discussion. It does. It does very much run through 
the general manager. So I don't think that we can necessarily excuse Ross Atkins here. Uh, it's um, it's going to be very, very interesting to observe what the Blue Jays do at the trade deadline with that depth question in mind. The, the thing is, too, I, I almost would be shocked if at the deadline they still... And I say this already, we already, we just had the conversation about maybe Ross Atkins is to blame and maybe he should be replaced and so on. But I still would be somewhat surprised if they weren't buyers at the deadline. Like a lot, there was a text earlier about tearing it down, tearing it all down. I think it was Eric from Red Deer. At this point in the season, I would become a full on seller. Atkins, Schneider, Shapiro, all gone, trade all the assets. I, I disagree with that because because of the the payroll already assigned to this team and because of just the general direction that this team has gone in over the past, what, like five years or so, whatever, since Vladdy was called up, let's say, since Atkins took over, effectively, right? The direction has been to, in some way, shape, or form, compete. And I think as long as you, especially now that the wild cards have been expanded, as long as that's the case, I almost feel like you will likely never see them tear it down in the same way the Orioles tore it down or in the same way, I don't know, like the, the, ti- the, the Tigers or the Reds or the Nationals have torn it down, right? I mean, I, I will say like the teams like the Pirates and so on, they tear it down for completely other reasons, which is that their owners don't want to spend money. But for a luxury tax payroll team like the Blue Jays have, there should be better results. There absolutely should be. Uh, Julia, I see a lot of text here on... Our discussion about is Vladdy elite or not? Is right. he elite or is he just very, very good? And some people are saying he's not even that, right? I'm just going to read you a couple of texts. Absolutely. Okay? Uh, Chuck from Barry. Vladdy is not elite. League average. If he is only going to hit singles, that's fine. Just don't hit them so hard that it doesn't advance the runners. The reason expectations are so high is because people won't stop talking about him, making him something he is not. Most of the lineup is back into bad habits. Big hacks trying to be the hero. Blue Jays talk. Uh, Glenn from Coldbrook. Nova Scotia, Vladdy is a very good player. His 2021 season where he went off 80% of his home games were played in Dunedin and Buffalo. Vladdy's guy will hit, will hit 30 home runs and 90 RBI. That is very good. He is not Trout, Judge, Acuna. And with regards to trades, there are 12 teams chasing playoffs. There's a lot of competition for arms and bats. And then Regan and Regina, everything you need to know about Vladdy's struggles occurred in the bottom of the first. Kikuchi gets squeezed by an ump. Henderson drives in a run. He gets the first. He's all, Vladdy's all smiles and greetings. Henderson was already looking at his third base coach and hardly acknowledged Vlad. That's the difference. Is a time and place. Does it carry over into prep after 18 months of the same old, same old results say it does. You know, I did have that conversation with some of our coworkers uh, after he got to first and people saying, you know, he's a little too chummy with the guys who get on base. I, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily get into nitpicking like what he's doing demeanor wise on the base. Cause I feel like we did that a lot last year as to like the demeanor of like the barrio at the end of the dugout and about certain players about Lourdes and Teo and so on. I don't really want to relitigate all of that stuff, but I, like, I, I do kind of wonder like how much that does play into things. Cause I, I, I find it hard pressed. I get to see the batting practice sometimes down at the Rogers center when they're here at home. I find it, hard pressed to say that he is not taking it seriously. That's, that's where I kind of perhaps would draw the line. Maybe he is a very good player. Maybe he's not elite. Maybe that is true, but I do find it hard to think that he is not taking it seriously. Cause I got to think there's no one. It frustrates more than, right. than himself. Yeah. Listen, uh, for those of us who get to see the, the pregame routines and who get to see, you know, a little bit more of the, the backstage, let's say of, of the preparation from these guys, I, I would be 
very safe in in saying that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is taking things very seriously and he wants to be the reference point for his team, this team. He wants to be the go-to guy and the one that actually gets things done uh, when it matters most. It's not linear. We need to still remember that he's very young and that his career is to a certain degree also very young. So that there, there are more... Uh, there are more items on this list than simply um, preparation or level of seriousness, right? Uh, his personality is maybe not going to ever be uh, all business all the time. It's yeah. just not I don't who think he it will. Is. I, I honestly don't think it ever will be. But that does not at all negate the the effort and the, the professionalism here, right? Um, whether or not a, a guy that's at first base is going to acknowledge him uh, that is so personal right for for each player for their personalities as well as uh their demeanor on the field vladdy needs to be who he is and that doesn't necessarily interfere with uh, with the preparation at all here so i do think that these are two uh two separate um i don't know two maybe two separate characteristics of right. of, of who vladimir guerrero jr is and and i'll go as far as saying that you know i it's better for Vladdy to be lively and to be smiling because we know that this has been a, a frustrating period for him at the plate. So that means that, Hey, you know what? Uh, he's, if, is he still finding joy in the game, which is something that he has mentioned time and time again, that is so important to him. And it's the difference between slumping for longer and finding a way out. If he's still finding those moments of levity, even in, in a situation that is not perfect and it's not at all what he would like to be, then that's probably a good sign for the Blue Jays and, and, and a sign that things are going to work themselves out if he keeps up the professionalism and the preparation that we are talking about. Yeah, I see someone texting texting in here to say uh, exceptional or natural. There's no name on this is why I say someone, but uh, <laughs> exceptional or natural athletes are lousy teachers, also lousy taking instruction. Uh, I think Vladdy is a natural, but he has to get his mojo back. Uh, John in Mississauga says the whole team played in Dunedin and Buffalo and didn't do what Vladdy did. I still think there is something there in Vladdy. And then there's no, there's no name on this other one, but it, it just says Vladdy slander is a little harsh. So uh, there, I think like a lot of people coming down on both sides of like, is he elite? Is he not? But I, I do think that he is closer to being elite. Having said that, he needs to go out and prove me right. I would like, I would like very much for him to prove me right. I, yeah. I, it, it feels as though he's, he's, he's right there. But uh, yeah, we, we will have to see. Julia, let's take a quick break. Sure. When we come back, we'll go back to the phones, back to the text line. I see tons of text here. If you're on the line, please hold. We'll get you all that and more straight ahead. You're listening to Jay's Talk Show and Julia on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, I mean, we're getting traffic. It's a tough bullpen to score against there. It's, um, you know, you got to get it done early and, and more consistently. Uh, seems like we're getting guys on and just not cashing in. So that's kind of been the MO. No, I think the common thread is just we're not getting the hits in, in those spots. Um, I do think it's a matter of time. I mean, these guys are talented. And, um, you know, I think it's just it's going to take a few games in a row to kind of cash those runs in. Um, yeah, but we gotta we got to turn that around for sure. That is Blue Jays skipper John Schneider discussing the uh, issues with hitting in the clutch as the Toronto Blue Jays drop the series finale to the Baltimore Orioles. 4-2 the final score at Orioles Park at Camden Yards in Maryland. Tomorrow, the Blue Jays start a three-game set against the Texas Rangers in the Lone Star State. First pitch goes 
at 8.05 p.m. Eastern, 5.05 p.m. Pacific on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ben Shulman and Ben Nicholson-Smith will have the call for you tomorrow evening. Uh, Julia, before we go back to the phones and before we go back to the text line, I appreciate everyone who's on hold. We'll get you in very, very short order here. Uh, taking care of some business, we got time for the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. I just wanted to read this text, which was kind of kind of went along with the Bet365 thing. Uh, Tyler from London said he was addressing the BGO home run, the non-BGO home run, I should say, at the end of the game. And then also the uh, the one of the, the bad calls on a Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, it was a strike. It was not called a strike. And a couple pitches later, Gunnar Henderson blades the first run of the game into the outfield and the Orioles lead one, nothing. Tyler says, this is the reason we need at least a challenge system for balls and strikes. I had the blue Jays plus one and a half and the under of nine. If it wasn't for a bad call in the first, I win. Instead, I lose $20. Tyler, I'll just say this. Um, I, I like the happiness hedge. Sometimes I had the Orioles minus one and a half as my happiness edge. And because of that, I did win. So uh, I guess that's, Good, I guess. No, I would have. I would have absolutely taken a win uh, instead of like five extra dollars. Uh, because the Tampa Bay Rays are playing right now, entering play, they are forty nine and twenty two. They are up on the Athletics two nothing. The Baltimore Orioles, after their win, are forty three and twenty five. The Yankees are thirty nine and thirty. They are off today. The uh, Blue Jays with the loss are thirty eight and thirty two. And the Boston Red Sox, who won last night against the Colorado Rockies, are thirty four and thirty five. And the Yankees and Red Sox both off because they play each other tomorrow night. But that's our quick check of the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. Tyler and Lennon also pointing out that this team is not that far out of a wild card. They are not sellers. They have a lot of money invested for years in this team. And it's true. Even with the loss today, Julie, I think they're like only one or maybe one and a half games out of a wild card spot. And that will obviously change depending on games from the Angels and Astros. So, I don't think they're going to be sellers. No, you're correct. It's a, it's one and a half games um, back. It It's certainly not uh, a desperation moment here. There's a lot of season left, and the Blue Jays are likely to figure this out. It's... Um, it's just a weird time show is what it is. And and when we're talking about this division specifically, we know how difficult it, it, it is. And, and especially this year for the Blue Jays, it, it has been, it seems, maybe a little bit more challenging than in years past to, to play within the AL East. So Oof. there are some uh, <laughs> there are some aspects here that are adding maybe to the aggravation, but it's so, so early in the season. And I, I don't see a scenario in which the Blue Jays, if they can keep this level of play, are going to be sellers at the deadline. 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Mike in Aurora. Mike, thank you for holding through the commercial. Welcome to JSOC. What's on your mind? Oh, well, I, I got to tell you, it's been hard watching this offense lately, and I'm not looking forward to this Texas series because Texas is going to score four or five runs a game. Yeah, no kidding. Right now, the way we're no going, kidding. that seems like a, a really tall order. Um, but I, I wanted to, to address this point by getting back to uh, the Jays need a bat. I think everyone knows the MO for the Jays for the longest time has been our offense is really good and our pitching is rather lackluster, and that's what costs us games. This year, it appears to be the opposite. Barring Manoa, I think everyone, all the starters have given us exactly what we hoped for, even Kikuchi. 
The bullpen looks a lot better with Pearson involved. Richards pitching really well. Romano uh, looking good. Um, we really just need a bat. And I wanted to ask you guys, you know, with the struggles of Vladdy, with Chapman, Kirk, and et cetera, what kind of guys do you think we could reasonably look to get to really boost this offense? I'm looking at the Padres, maybe someone like a Nelson Cruz you could get for fairly cheap sure. who could provide some pop. But uh, I really wanted to ask you guys if you guys had any names that you could think, A, we could afford, and B, would be available. And C, I guess I would ask you is, you know, when do you think the time is to pull the trigger? Because in the AL East, we don't have a lot of time, and it looks like uh, we're running short of it right now. Mike, I appreciate the call. Thank you for calling. Nelson Cruz is not a bad suggestion. It, it, he's he's certainly, I was going to say near the end of his career. He is basically like one stop before the end of his career, essentially. He's going to probably, he's probably going to retire in the off season. So I can't imagine it's going to be a, uh, a, a high price to get someone like Nelson Cruz, Julia. But, you know, I, I've said before, I wonder if someone like a Will Myers with Cincinnati, I wonder if that's something that could be, could be a purchase perhaps like he there, there are a lot of young up and coming guys that are, have, have more or less taken over in Cincy. I wonder if some of the guys that are on the periphery might be available like a Myers. I kind of wonder if, if, if you go back to the Oakland A's well, and you look at some guys there, uh, I, I honestly truly wonder how many of the Chicago white Sox are long for that roster. Again, Dylan Cease, I think it would take a lot to to trade for him. I, I know Mike was talking about position players, but I have a feeling that if if someone came knocking on the door for Dylan Cease, they won't say no necessarily. But even other guys like an Eloy Jimenez or dare I even say a Tim Anderson or a Luis Roberts, like I'm, I don't think it's, those guys are necessarily going to the Jays, but even like a Hanser Alberto, that's a name I could see them going after. Sure. Right? I, I mentioned Oakland. Brent Rooker has been a name I've kicked around before because he could very easily be the Blue Jays fourth outfielder and bolster bolster the outfield in a way where you get some power. And then also you wouldn't have to put Merrifield out there. He could just be your everyday second baseman, but I don't know if any other names come to mind for you. Honestly, it's a, for me, the, the, the big question is how feasible is a trade going to be? What are the blue Jays going to have to give up in this competitive of a market to land a bat that is that significance that is going to make that big of a difference for, for this lineup. It's um, really unbelievable when you look at the Blue Jays roster and when you look at their starting lineup here that we are talking about the Blue Jays needing another bat. That to me is, um, it's a little puzzling. Right, it, it, right. It, it's, it's, it's not at all the conversation that you would expect us to be having is that another indictment the on the players and or ross atkins yeah listen i'm not Both. gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna make any of fast uh you know assumptions here there there are a lot of of pieces and moving pieces that go into this it's a little telling i guess that you know all of these big bats are scuffling at once there is something that needs to be addressed that there whether that's through uh, the coaching staff, whether that's you know through another players-only meeting, we don't necessarily know. But the way that things are, it's it's not looking good. And again, I understand that the Blue Jays just finished up a stretch in which they played a lot of games without off days. That takes a toll on the body. Absolutely, it does. There's been a lot of travel, but that is the same for pretty much every team, right? Every team is going to go through this. So, is another bat 
going to solve the issue, it seems like the Blue Jays should have all of the pieces in place. And maybe what you need is to reassess uh, the order of things and the order of really the the batting order here to, to put the guys that are producing a little bit more, a little bit ahead for now. The, the, the beauty of baseball is that you have the flexibility to try new things every single day. Yeah, who'd have thought that Brandon Belt being out for any period of time, you'd be like, oh gosh, wish Brandon Belt was back. I, I honestly never thought I'd be having that conversation because uh, truly, apart from Bo, he has been, at least in the last month, uh, as, as Matt Chapman, I don't know if Matt Chapman like sapped or uh, Brandon Belt sapped some of Matt Chapman's powers or what, because as he fell off, Brandon Belt kind of immediately got better as well. But I never thought I'd be saying that at this point of the season, even if it is early June. Um, Tony from Kitchener says, I think the Blue Jays need to trade Chapman soon. He isn't coming back next season, so they need to do something now. He is the only piece that is somewhat valued in an organization that traded away good pieces for guys like Bass and Mitch White. Um, so I, there was a there was another text actually about uh, trading. I'm trying to find. Oh, there's no name on this one. That's why. But it just says Trey Chapman and bring up Aurelvis Martinez. Aurelvis Martinez. I will say at the very least, he might be the only position player right now who you could make apart. Maybe Spencer Horwitz as well. But he Horwitz also kind of like exclusively plays first base. Whereas I think you can make a case for Martinez playing third. Um, even though I'm not sure how much experience he does have playing third. So that's perhaps a bit of a question mark. But He's perhaps the only prospect I think you could give some time to. And you have to remember, too, Martinez is very young. True, the truth is I, I don't think you see Chapman get traded. Like, I don't think he gets traded at the deadline, even though he probably is signing for just a boatload of money with, like, I don't know, like the Giants or the Yankees or something in the offseason. Yeah, it wouldn't be necessarily a bad move to to trade Chapman, especially if he can c- go back to something that resembles his uh early season production or something that even resembles a little bit more of himself here. There is a chance to sell high on Chapman. Uh, I I don't think that anyone is necessarily putting that idea completely aside. Does it seem a little bit like a long shot? It does with what the Blue Jays are trying to accomplish this year, but all avenues should be open for a team that is trying to figure out its offense and trying to just find some consistency here. I, I do believe show that that is the big word for the blue Jays is consistency on offense. I wanted to get to a couple more texts here before we say goodbye in a couple of minutes here, Julia, uh, just because we haven't really talked about Yusei Kikuchi today. And I, I do feel like we should talk about him because I think he was maybe not as good, but he was good enough to only let in two runs over again. It was only four and two thirds, but a a kind of weakly hit ball that dribbles up the first baseline that Vladdy should have had. And it's, it's a play. I think he makes like nine out of 10 times. So it's unfortunate. It comes kind of in the midst of, of a slump here, but he, uh, he whiffs on the, on the pickup. The guy gets the first is runners on first and second. And they, they pull Kikuchi. Right. But ultimately, ultimately speaking, you look at some of these texts here and I kind of agree with some of these. Like there's one from Nate Niagara on the lake. He says that hurts. Danny Bonds kept the kept us alive that whole game, but more issues running is in scoring position. Is there anyone in Major League Baseball that cares more than Yusei Kikuchi? When he plays poor, he looks absolutely crushed or angry. Hashtag Yusei cares. Uh, and then Mark from Mississauga, so disappointed that in such an important series, we are still getting such bad calls by the umps. 
Kikuchi should not have given up that first run, and it cost him to have to throw a whole bunch of extra pitches. Thankfully, it did not decide the game, but the run should be unearned. Robo-umps cannot come soon enough for me. So that's Mark and Mississauga. I'll, I'll say this again, and we kind of touched on it, but on the one nothing RBI single from Gunnar Henderson... He got squeezed, and the pitch was borderline enough that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna absolutely crush the umpires like we have done in the past. But it was a strike ultimately, and he he got he got charged a run that he should not have. Like he he came off the mound right, and he got his hands checked by the home plate umpire. He could not have looked more annoyed that he had to have that guy touch his hands. He looked like he was gonna just rip his hands out of the guy's grasp. He also got into a jam in the third inning, two on and nobody out. And he induced two pop-ups alongside getting a strikeout call on Urias, who went around at that point for the second straight AB. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say it was pretty impressive at that point in the game from Kikuchi, based on what we had seen in the past mm-hmm. and where I think he maybe it would have, I don't want to say crumpled, but he maybe would not have responded so positively. Like, the first two outs in that inning came off the slider and he got McCann to pop up the end of the inning with the curveball. And we know his fastball is nasty. It was a 90, 96 mile an hour fastball at points today, but he had the breaking stuff and the off speed stuff working even when it was a bit laborious at times. And yeah, Lee Rutschman crushes a home run, but it was a fastball. And then again, something we hadn't seen in the past, he went right back to the fastball afterwards. Right so it's, it's, I think there are some positives to take out of this for, for Kikuchi two earned runs over four and two thirds. I, I think he, I think most teams would take something around that from their effectively their fifth starter. That's exactly it. Right now, I do believe that Kikuchi is pitching and looking like a number five starter. And it does seem like that is how the Blue Jays are seeing him and treating him as well, right? There isn't really a very long leash if Kikuchi makes a couple of mistakes and if he is not aided by his by his defense, more often than not, you will see him get pulled with four and two thirds right. or five. I, I have to say that I was a bit surprised in his previous start prior to this one when he was done after five innings and we knew that there was a bullpen game uh, coming and it didn't, it wasn't like he, his pitch count was off the charts and it wasn't that he was pitching badly. It was just that it seems like the leash is a little bit shorter because we have seen some inconsistency, but right now in June, you know, it, it it wasn't the stellar April. It's not the the terrible May. It's somewhere in between, which is really all the Blue Jays could hope for. I, I will say this again. It's so important that Kikuchi is consistent with Alec Manoa out and the Blue Jays deploying a bullpen every five days or every five games. This is his moment to sort of find that consistency. And this is great. Now, if he can keep pitching the way that he is in actually getting himself out of trouble, even if there are wild pitches at times, Mm -hmm. even if there are mistake pitches that are taken for home runs, uh, if he can find himself in a position to minimize that damage, then that leash is going to get a little bit longer every time. That is how I see things going for, for Kikuchi, but very much right now he is a number five starter. Yeah. He like, he, you, you get the volatility that comes with a number five starter uh, and sometimes you get a little more from that. Like you, you also got seven strikeouts from Kikuchi today just to just two walks. I thought that was also a positive development considering that the strikeout numbers just in a general sense for him have been way down this year. The walk numbers have also been way down, but the last couple of starts, they have been a teensy bit higher than you would have liked. So that just, it was just two walks and seven strikeouts today. Yes, he gave up the home run to Adley Rutschman um, is not, uh, is not terrible. Hey, Julia, you are off tomorrow, but we are going to see what the uh, bullpen looks like 
on Saturday because we now know officially Gosman is starting tomorrow. So tomorrow is a Gosman day and a bullpen day on Saturday. And I will see you then. I can't wait. Lots to talk about for sure. I am certain there will be. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Did you know that vehicles rust faster in warmer weather as the weather warms and we all get ready for summer? Make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for your nearest location. For Julia Kreutz, Ben Schulman, Blake Murphy, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. We appreciate all the calls and texts. Thank you for being with us today on Jay's Talk. A 4-2 Jay's loss to wrap up the series, unfortunately. But back to a regular schedule tomorrow evening. I have the pregame show and Jay's Talk solo tomorrow night. I look forward to taking your calls and texts. I'll talk to you later.